Hi, and welcome to Podcast is a Seven Letter Word. I'm Dave Knauss, director here at Seven Letter. And I'm Liza Johnler, director at Seven Letter. And today we welcome Kate Bennett, CNN reporter and author of Free Melania in Bookstores Now. Kate, thank you for joining us on Podcast is a Seven Letter Word. We're thrilled to have you here. Uh, to kick things off, we have to ask, tell us about the title. Why the comma in between Free and Melania? So the comma, I think, is essential to my thesis, if you will, about Melania Trump, which is that she's not uh, trapped in the White House, that hashtag free Melania uh, went around and still does go around, that she's miserable and, and her expressionless face means she's uh, seeking you know, to escape from this world and she's unhappy. Covering her, I found none of those things to be true. And in fact, quite the opposite, that she is, I think the most free modern first lady in terms of doing and thinking and behaving. And therefore, I, I stuck a comma in there. So for our listeners who don't know, Kate does more than just write books. You're a reporter with CNN. How is writing this book different than your daily reporting? And how is the daily reporting complicated the process you went through to write the book? It's like a chicken or egg uh, thing with this book. I think pretty quickly as a reporter, on, and I started at CNN on this beat, uh, the East Wing, the First Lady, the Trump family, days before inauguration. So I've been there since the very beginning. And it was really quickly apparent to me that the First Lady was different and <laughs> really different. And um, and a, a strange compliment to her husband, like him in a lot of ways and very different from him in a lot of ways. Um, so my reporting sort of dovetailed, I think, a little bit with the book. Um, you know, I've broken most of the big stories about Melania Trump from, you know, her, her kidney procedure to not traveling with her husband when he was upset, she was upset with him, um, to her Be Best platform, all those things. That's all my reporter hat kind of stuff. And it's fun and quick and it can be, you know, really interesting. But my, the book side is a lot of that stuff, of course, included, but a lot more insight and observation, um, a little more color and um, flavor and voice and opinion. And I think, you know, there are things I can't do in two minutes in a package on CNN talking about the first lady that I can do in a chapter. Um, so they go together, but they're different. And then work-wise, just from the scheduling, it was yeah. um kind of a nightmare to write a book <laughs> with a full-time job at CNN in this news cycle. Um, so it was a lot of wrangling uh, free time away from th things that I really enjoyed doing, like friends and trips and, and um, you know, focusing on on staying home and, and staying up late. It kind of felt like college again, like I would have, you know, long nights where I wouldn't sleep and I would finish something or be on deadline. So it was tough. It was tough, but worth it. Um, and you cover uh, the First Lady exclusively, which is a pretty unique beat. So how did you wind up with that beat? And can you tell us a little bit about it? So I was writing a newsletter for the um, outlet I, I previously worked for. And um, it was sort of a mashup of politics and pop culture and observation and some fashion sprinkled in and just Washington in general. And I, um, I, I, I know it was well read. And I, what I didn't know was that Jeff Zucker, the head of CNN, was one of my readers and that he was a fan of it. And, and um, sort of out of the blue, shortly before uh, inauguration, I got a call from CNN saying that, you know, would I be interested in coming on board um, for this particular Lane, which is news, obviously, and I'm on the White House team, um, but there's, 
he sort of recognized the um, lifestyle reporter that I had been, the the politics and pop culture mashup, um, and sort of saw me in this role. And I and I think it's really been a, a good fit. And I I went over there quite quickly. Um, you know, the Trump administration and Melania Trump in particular are very obviously very different than what we've seen before. And there is the sort of entertainment factor. Um, and with Melania Trump, there is. Um, you know, her background and design and fashion and those things appealed to me as well. And and, um, and just the dynamic of Washington and the d- dynamic of East Wing and, and all those things fit very well into my my resume. And so that's kind of kind of how it happened. It was I always say it's like the indie band who's playing at the club who doesn't know that the record label Honcho is standing in the back. And that's kind <laughs> yeah. of like oh, what I felt like. <laughs> and they sign you to a deal. <laughs> Uh, Melania Trump is one of the least public first ladies we've had, at least in recent history. Um, you mentioned before that she probably isn't trapped the way that, that it's talked about in the media, the way that it's been portrayed. Are there any other misconceptions about Melania Trump that, that you've noticed in being around her? Yeah, I mean, I think people think that she's sort of a trophy wife or, or sort of vapid or not engaged and sort of just sits around and, and has her nails done. Um, I don't believe that to be true. She's, I think, to sort of be Donald Trump's wife or partner for 20 years. They've been married for not not 20 years, but they've been together for 20 years. Um you have to be savvy. You have to know that your place is going to be next to him on the red carpet or next to him at an event. Um, and and you need to understand how to use that next to moment for yourself. And I think she's really um, figured that out. I think she's very press savvy. Uh, one of the things people don't understand is that she is one of the president's closest advisors and probably someone he listens to as much or maybe even more so than some of his you know, hired counsel um, advisors in the West Wing. Um, she reads all of her press. She reads all of his press. Uh, she has opinions about everything. They don't necessarily match up to him, his on all occasions. But I think people underestimate how intellectually engaged she is um, and also sometimes how politically aligned she is. I mean, people, I think, were surprised when she finally did talk about the Me Too movement and, and Brett Kavanaugh um, by saying, you know, women need to believe, be believed, but men also need to be believed, you know, and, and uh, immigration and you know, these other issues that I think people were, I mean, maybe Democrats were hoping or thinking she was this renegade, um, you know, opposition inside the White House, but she's not really. Um, that's not really her her bag. She's, she's more aligned with him than people would think. Hmm. And the way she presents herself to the public, um, she's certainly known for making some political statements, specifically with the way she dresses. Um, she wore that jacket that said, I don't really care, do you, which caused an uproar in, in the press. Um, why do you believe she picks those moments to make those political statements? Um, and do you think it, it really is as intentional as it seems? Well, first of all, my my big credo is I, I don't believe in Melania Trump coincidences. So uh, one of the first sort of reasons that her office put out for her wearing that jacket was, oh, she didn't even think about it. She just grabbed it on her way out the door. I'm like, that's no, thank you, no. Um, I mean, I think she's she's intentional. She picks moments that are personal to her. Um, 
you know, with, with the vaping thing she's gotten involved in recently, she has a teenage son. She lives who, you know, in, in where he goes to school in Montgomery County, Maryland, there is a, a real problem with young people and vaping. She got engaged with that. Uh, I think she was affected by um, the immigration problem and, and images of kids in cages and families separated at the border. She was the first and, quite frankly, the only family member, senior Trump administration official, to actually get on a plane and go down there. Now, that was negated by the fact that she wore this jacket to and from, but the impetus was there. And the president didn't necessarily want her to go and shine a brighter light on this thing that was happening. And she was like, I'm going. So I think she has to be... Um, affected by things to really personally to really talk about them. And we've seen her when she does make statements. You know, I loved one of the ones they were also sort of catty when Ivana Trump put out her book and she did some press and said, I'm the first first lady. I don't know if you guys remember that, but she did an interview where she said that she was. Um, I asked, you know, how how Mrs. how Melania Trump felt about that. And the response I got was, you know, She's not out to sell books and she is the, you know, it was this very fiery anti-Ivana Trump moment. Um, and I, I think when when things touch her and she gets her hackles up, she'll, she shows it. But it's like, a, it's like peaks and valleys. You can go for days and not hear a peep. And then all of a sudden it's some fiery something and it's like, whoa. Um, so it, it's a very personal, it's not, let me say, it's not strategic. Like her husband. It's usually done by emotion. Right. So we have to talk about the incident that you refer to in your book as the hand swat heard around the world. Um, You know, we don't often see a first lady swatting away her husband's hand. um, And a lot of people made a lot of judgments about what that said about their relationship. So could you describe that incident for those who need a refresher um, and tell us kind of what you think it says about their relationship um, and then how you sort of view their relationship more broadly beyond that incident. Yeah, I mean, I think most of the curiosity that people have is what I hear is like, how can she be married to him? I mean, I hear that from a lot of people who are clearly, you know, not Republicans or not in the in the Trump base. But the the moment of the hand swat was where it was it was like the perfect storm of Melania-ness, right? Like we had heard nothing from her before, really, that was headline making or headline grabbing. And then all of a sudden it wasn't just like it was, oh my God, she swatted his hand away on a foreign trip in front of the cameras. <laughs> so they were in Tel Aviv getting off the plane with the Netanyahu's and the and the plan was very choreographed. The two couples would walk together from the plane down red carpet to a podium where there would be remarks and they would go off on their trip um, visiting. It was the first sort of big deal foreign trip of the president, the first big deal trip that the first lady was on with him. And as they were walking, the president, who, as he often does, sort of got distracted and forgot that Melania was there. And she'd fallen behind just because of the width of the carpet. Um, So it was the three of them, the Netanyahu's and Trump, and then Melania behind. And he has this very sort of tangible moment where he remembers that she's there and reaches back and she just says, not having it. She was upset that this moment that they had talked about and and was part of the protocol, um, that he screwed it up. And I think it was a very... um, telling moment that this is not a a figure, emotionless woman, that she has feelings, that she gets angry, that people started paying attention. Um, 
I think she would have preferred that that wouldn't be the moment people paid attention. But it wasn't because she was, you know, ew, I don't want to hold his hand. I don't want to touch him. It was just like, dude, this was like a big moment. We practiced this. Why did you, you know, they were holding hands again within a few minutes. It was fine. Um, It wasn't really about the actual physicalness of holding hands. It was more that moment. And Melania Trump's experienced that a lot. We've we've all sort of as a public, I think, sort of been appalled by when he left her behind on Inauguration Day to get out of the car and greet the Obamas, right? Like, he was already up the steps and she wasn't even out the car door. Uh, we've seen many times him going up the stairs to Air Force One with an umbrella while she's behind him. He doesn't hold the car door for her. He walks ahead of her into things and buildings and whatever. And... and you know, for her, that's very normal. She's used to it. She's accepted it. It's her life. It's her husband. But for us, especially coming off four years of Michelle and Barack Obama, who were so openly lovey-dovey and my gracious and my wife and my love, it's it's sort of like cringy <laughs> for us to see. I don't think we should read into it too deeply about their marriage, but I think it's 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 definitely a moment for us to understand a bit more about their relationship. Do you think we're going to see the first lady hit the campaign trail with the president in this election cycle? Because we didn't see it a lot in 2016. Yeah. I mean, on on you have to like have it on a, on a curve, grade it on a curve. <laughs> so, yes, we will see her more. I just had a story about that. Um, and is Barron going to join them as well? Since... I don't I don't think so. I think she's she's very committed to keeping Barron out of the public eye. Um, but I think we will see her more. And I think it's partly because she's more used to this role now than she was four years ago. And I think it's partly because... You know, he has other family surrogates, but she wants to say, I'm I'm the first lady. I'm the number one person here. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see her at every rally, at every stop, but I think she will have um, more of a presence. And I think that's beneficial. First ladies historically um, are crucial sometimes to a, camp- to a campaign. Do you think that she and Ivanka are going to get warmer as this campaign unfolds? Or are we going to see some of the same standoffish nature we've seen? Well, I think... I think they both, as you know, Ivanka is sort of a former uh, apprentice. I don't want to say actress, but uh, per- celebrity, and Melania is a formal model. They both know how to fake it real well, right? Um, so I think we might see them together. And I think if you were to ask them how their relationship is, they'd say, "Great, it's terrific." Um, so I don't think the naked eye will observe anything, but I, you know, I think there's tension there about who who the top dog is. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch play out. I mean, read all about it. I'll probably be covering it. <laughs> um, so you were a fashion editor before you got on the First Lady Beat. Um, and we still kind of see that in the stuff you're putting out on your Twitter feed. You've got kind of the what Melania is wearing compared to the where you've seen it on the runway. Um, so who do you think is the best dressed person in politics right now? Hmm. I mean, honestly, and I'm not just saying this because I cover her. I think Melania is a terrific dresser. Um, I think, you know, to me, it's been so interesting to watch her style evolve and in researching this book and going back, back, back into pictures and photographs and her old stuff. She's developed what I think is really a uniform um, as First Lady that to me is so psychological. Maybe I think about this too much as a fashion person. But she typically wears long sleeve coats with a strong shoulder and a belted waist and sort of a flared long bottom. Sometimes they have uh, military-inspired buttons or a trench coat. But to me, they feel very much like armor. They feel like she's putting on her... Um, her coat dress. She's tying up her belt. She's buttoning that top button right up to her neck. And I think, you know, 
Psych 101 would tell me that that is a necessity for her to face this public as a very private person. Um, and so in that way, I think it's important to look at those fashion clues. And I think she does it really well. Um, you know, people are surprised. Michelle Obama got a lot of credit for really being savvy about J. Crew and Target. But like Michelle Obama didn't shop that much at J. Crew and Target. <laughs> and the things she did buy that were sort of relatively accessible dresses by designers, she always had customized, almost always. So at a, a different sleeve or a different waist. So that would make them more expensive just by the customization. Melania Trump buys most things online or off the rack, or sometimes her stylist will pop into a store in New York and you know pull something from her for her. Um, but it's not nothing you and I couldn't hop on net a porte and buy or you know Neiman's or Shopbop and buy, which I think is really interesting too because most first ladies are either you know, sort of not great dressers, and then they have someone designed for them for an occasion. Or they're like Michelle Obama, who are a little more realistic. Um, but Melania likes to shop on sale, and she likes to wear what she wants to wear, no matter who's designed it, or what their political affiliation is, or where they're from, or whether the fabric is made here or somewhere else. She just kind of does her thing. But I think it looks great. All right, a little more controversial. Who is the worst dressed person in politics? <laughs> Oh, God. I mean, listen, I am also a menswear aficionado, and I, I, I do sort of cringe at the president's suiting. And, and he wears Brioni, typically, which is an Italian fashion label. And, um, their suiting is beautiful. Their fabrics are incredible. And most of their cuts and tailoring is impeccable. Um, and in most European or Italian menswear, as most arts, it's it's a little bit fitted. It's a little bit tight. Um, so I know for a fact that the Brioni folks sort of cringe whenever whenever it's mentioned that he wears Brioni. And the hotel, the Trump Hotel in D.C. is the only Brioni boutique in Washington. And that was part of the deal of an opening. So I, I kind of cringe a little bit just at the at the the tailoring because it looks the way he wears it it looks off the rack like he went into a men's warehouse and grabbed a suit, um, because it feels so big and, and ill fitting. But really, in the rea- in reality, it's like it's like um, taking a Chanel gown and like you know making it into a crop top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Best and worst in the same house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so DC is a very gossipy town. I think you go all the way back to like the Andrew Jackson administration, the Petticoat Affair, to prove that that's always been the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Beltway bubble will eat stuff like this up. Yeah. Is that the audience you intended for this book? <laughs> or is it the soccer bombs that you mentioned earlier? You wanted to reveal something to the American people that they might not know. I mean, it's both. I'm a former gossip columnist. One of my first jobs was writing gossip for the Las Vegas Sun um, when I was in my early 20s talk about a job and um you know and i've always enjoyed i liz smith the famous gossip columnist always says her famous saying was gossip is news running ahead of itself in a red dress so i love that and i tend to write that way um it just feels more conversational so i don't know i mean there's lots there's lots of fun good gossipy stuff in here but i always think that if i write something I, I think it would be the stuff that if my best friend and I went and had a drink after work, that's what we would talk about. We would talk about news of the day. We would talk about the impeachment trial. We would talk about, oh, my God, did you see coronavirus or whatever it might be? But we would also be like, oh, my God, did you see Melania's shoes? And where did she get those? That was insane. Or like, what was going on with Ivanka's hair or whatever? And and that's kind of how I feel like I imbibe a lot of my my writing. 
Um, so there's there's a component of, you know, I don't want to say cattiness, but just fun. Because we all take ourselves a little too seriously here in Washington. Um, but there's also news to it. And I think it's it's a fair uh, viewing of the First Lady of the United States. But I think it also doesn't exclude people who are curious about that thing that she wore. Why did she wear that hat? What was she thinking in Africa when she wore that? So I think there's, you know, or or what is it like behind the scenes with her stepdaughter, who's also her husband's advisor? Or what is it like with her, with Tiffany Trump? Um, so th- that's all in there. So I, I don't, I don't ever take myself so seriously as a journalist that I can't go there. Sure. I love all the, lo- there are lots of male journalists on Twitter who talk a lot about sports, a lot about sports. Right. And they talk back and forth to each other on Twitter about sports. <laughs> and just because fashion or pop culture is my sport, does I don't feel like I shouldn't say it just because I'm a journalist. Um, so what's next? Are you writing another book? Anything you want to plug? Um, so what's next is just more fun times at CNN. <laughs> As the campaign heats up, I think um, I'll get on the trail more with either the First Lady or the or Ivanka Trump. Um, and for me, from a book perspective, I'm thinking about something. Um, it rhymes with schmoils, and it might be based in the country that's not this one, <laughs> Schmegan and Schmary. <laughs> uh, no, I'm thinking about a royals book, and I think that that's kind of where my interest might lie. Um, I just, to invest so much spare time in a book and a topic, I really want to have it be fun and interesting and something I can really report on in depth in the way that I did with Melania. Um and so that's kind of what I'm what I'm thinking about. Um, so we'll see. But I, I, I do think um, another book might be in my future at some point. But for now, it's campaign 2020. <laughs> and one final question we ask all of our guests. What's your favorite seven-letter word? Um, I mean, I guess it's Melania. <laughs> I think it's going to have to be Melania. I um, between the book and covering her every day and a documentary I did for CNN and just the constant. Yeah, it's kind of where my where I'm at. Great. Well, thanks to Kate Bennett, author of the new book, Free Melania. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for tuning in to Podcast is a Seven Letter Word. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. 